Morning, everyone. That was pretty cool. I don't know who made that, Dave or Jennifer or who, but that was pretty great. We all know Google, right? Everybody knows Google. We just, a few more of us need to know God and then uh, get all our information from Him. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's um, really cool to be here this morning, especially after last night. Um, we had a uh, some more night, a campfire out on property here. What a great time that was um, with everybody that was able to make it. We did some mores. We even threw some pizza in the mix and some game. In fact, there's probably some competitions in the games that are going to extend into rivalries maybe as we go forward. But it was really fun. In fact, a lot of good feedback from that. Maybe we'll do that again. And uh, it was just, it was great. Of course, we had a great night. Uh, it was a beautiful day out, and uh, just was so good being with everybody. Uh, welcome, um, everyone, of course, that is visiting here with us today. We got some uh, families visiting in town and are here with us today. We got some new people. Great to have you here, uh, here at the Journey Church. Um, we just got done, like Jennifer said, with a series that was really pointed to our individual growth. And um, what we're hoping to do over this next series is to kind of talk about our growth as a uh, church, as a church community. Um, one thing I do know that our community, surrounding areas, our families, our co-workers, and uh, everybody we know in our communities, uh, they need a, a church community that lives by faith. They really need that. Uh, and why I say that is that they've had their fill, to be honest with you, uh, probably of, of church people calling themselves church people and not really living by faith. And we all, you know, I, I kind of harp on the bumper stickers and the, the stuff we put on our dashes and windows and stuff on our vehicles, but, so, you know, we need to live that out, not just brand ourselves as a Christian so that's really what this series is going to be about over the next few weeks. So I hope you'll uh, be interested in learning a little bit. We're going to look at the Word of God and find out exactly how uh, it was done in the Word of God and that how we can imitate that uh, in our day as well. Uh, but before we go any further, we need to ask the Lord to give us uh, a little help, okay? So why don't we pray together and start our time together. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that you love us the way you do, that you came, um, didn't leave us stranded in our sins or left to die in our sins, but actually came uh, to give us life. And so we're so grateful this morning uh, that we have that privilege to live uh, in your, in your uh, love. And uh, Lord, now we just want to know how to live uh, that way in faith in our community. So, Lord, help us do that. Help my words today be your words. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we're going to um, kind of launch into this idea of um, being a community, a church community that lives by faith. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 4, if you want to open your Bibles, your Bible apps, and, uh, and those types of things. Uh, Nick and I discussed this morning before service that um, it's a little weird opening your phone because, you, uh, you know, the pastor may think that you are 
you know, on Facebook or whatever one of those things you guys hang out with. But I don't think that. In fact, I told Nick it's better that than falling asleep. So if I get to pick between, you know, what you do when you are here, I'm just hoping you don't fall asleep. So uh, if you use your Bible on your app, that's great. But yeah, we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. little context to what we're doing. Uh, Paul is kind of writing to the Corinthians the second time, the Corinthian church. He has um, entered the gospel into their thinking and into them, and some of them have believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what the gospel is. It's, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and Jesus came to rescue us from those sins. And he had done that in simple belief in Jesus Christ, uh, death, burial, and resurrection gets us a place in eternity as well. And so Paul is actually out really just re-communicating to that to them, but also in the face of heavy persecution. Uh, he and the others that were around him um, trying to share this gospel uh, were being persecuted. And then the people that are hearing the gospel were also being persecuted. And so he writes with a little of encouragement here uh, and just a reminder of a few things, and we're going to look at those this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. It's an amazing thing when you accept the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God comes inside of you, and uh, starts to uh, just really and, uh, get your life changed in a new direction, you have been given a ministry. This isn't just for a, a, a faithful few. Uh, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you are now in the ministry. And this is a, a, a pretty uh, awesome responsibility. Uh, it is something that we shouldn't take lightly. And Paul says here that since we have this uh, ministry as we have received mercy um, along the way people are not going to like the gospel yeah, maybe you've experienced that as you tried to share uh, with your community and with your friends and relatives and things not everybody likes the gospel and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning but there is mercy in it there's mercy in the ministry just being in the gospel there is mercy from God, but then God gives us mercy and grace as we share. Uh, he goes on to say, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, meaning Paul and those that are sharing the gospel, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation or being making known the, the word of God or the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. This is uh, no hocus pocus from Paul. And that's the way you and I should be handling the gospel as well. No, no untruths, no hiding the gospel in any kind of way when we share it. Just the flat out manifestation of the truth, the truth itself. Uh, this can come out in a couple of different ways, by our actions and by how we present ourselves into the community. Um, that is a big thing. Uh, how do we handle ourselves in our family settings? Um, are we acting just like the world? Or are we acting separate? Or are we acting as a holy people called out from the world to spread the gospel? 
And so this is what Paul's kind of saying here, is that, yeah, not only uh, talk it, but live it as well. And that's what the topic is today, is living out this life of faith. Um, he goes on in verse 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Paul's saying there's going to be people that reject it. Uh, and the unfortunate part about that, and maybe you were like this in part of your life, is that the God of this world, and who is he talking about? He's talking about Satan. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. And how does he do that? He blinds it by all the attractive things. He, he um, blinds our eyes by twisting the Word of God. Um, you know, some of the things of the gospel are hard to, to work through. The gospel is good news, but one of the very first things that we have to do when we're accepting the gospel is admitting that we're sinners. And that is not an easy thing to, to kind of first bring into our lives. We have to admit that we're wrong. We have to admit that we've rebelled against God and his word. But here we are in the middle of this trying to share this, and there's some people that just aren't going to believe it. But he says that the idea that they've been blinded, it is actually because they are perishing. And uh, I don't know about you, but that is an incentive for me to even share the gospel even more with the people that God has put into my life. The idea that they are perishing, meaning they do not have eternal life, they have not trusted in Jesus for eternal life, means that they're perishing. And so that just excites me. I don't know how, if it does you or not, but Paul says that we have to understand that that is it. He says that they have blinded uh, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them, or shine on them even. Um, pretty crazy thing that when Jesus came to earth, he claimed that he was the Son of God. And he actually, he goes on to say that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what we have here is an actual manifestation of God himself in the body, in the life of Jesus Christ. And he was here, and the Bible says that even though he was here, we rejected him overall as a people. But that's because the devil is the, um, the ruler of this world, if you will say. He has influence on the world. And so we shouldn't get discouraged by that, but understand that that's what it is. Uh, many times when you guys share the gospel, I'm sure it gets discouraging, doesn't it, when somebody doesn't receive it? How could they not receive this thing that I have received and it is so brings such joy and peace and grace and mercy into my life and they reject it? Why is that? Well, just like we read, they have been blinded. Unfortunately, it's to um, their detriment. He goes on to say in verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, uh, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Um, what does he mean by that? By bondservants. You know, a bondservant, if you studied your Bible at all in some of the, uh, the English language and translated over from the Greek and stuff like that, but bondservant basically is a servant that is willing to be that. 
This is not a slave mentality. It is a servant mentality that you, a person gives their life to serve that other person. And Paul says, for the gospel's sake, he has made himself a bondservant to those he's trying to share it with. And you talk about us being a church that is led by faith or wants to live our lives by faith. That's really what you have to do. And in light of these people rejecting the gospel when you try to share it with them, this is what you really end up doing. You end up turning yourself over as a willing bond servant to the people you're trying to share the gospel to. A pretty amazing thing uh, when he says in verse 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. Um, God in the beginning, if you've ever read through Genesis, um, the creation account, he brings light into the darkness. There was no light until God created it and brought it into the darkness. That's the same thing that happens when you accept the gospel, when you receive the gospel. All of a sudden, your, your life is in darkness until the light of God shines in your heart. And this is an inside-out kind of a thing that Paul is trying to get us to understand, is that when you and I trust Jesus, all of a sudden there's light. And it might be a very little bit of light in the very beginning, right? But then that light over time begins to grow and shine and make us who we really are supposed to be. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power uh, may be of God and not us. Isn't it crazy what God has decided to put uh, his spirit into or to shine the light into such a fragile thing as our bodies, as us? It's, it's, it doesn't even really make sense. If I was God, I would have handled that a whole different way. I would have never put my spirit in such a broken creature, or even a thing that has the ability to be so fragile or is so fragile and break. But that's what God has done. He has put the gospel inside of you and me. But yet we're fragile, he says. Um, and he does this so that the power doesn't look like it comes from you or me. I hope when you share Jesus with people that you are making sure that you're pointing Jesus putting them to Jesus and not Jesus to you. Because we can get that mixed up sometimes when we try to share the gospel and have people um, really know about our, our great God. We end up pointing to ourselves, but rest be sure, this is not what Paul was doing. What Paul was doing, he was making sure that even though he was a fragile vessel, that he was pointing everybody to Jesus. Now remember in the beginning I said our communities and our friends and our neighbors are tired with us um, maybe doing this one thing. Uh, always pointing to ourselves how great we are because we know Jesus, how great we are because we've trusted God. That's not what we're trying to do, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to point people to Jesus so that they can see the power of God and not of us. Um, verse 8 and 9, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side. Yet not crushed, we are perplexed, but not despair, uh, not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not 
destroyed. What Paul is talking about here is the persecution that he is facing. Um, you ever face persecution when you try to share the gospel? We kind of talked about that last week a little bit. It was actually a sign of our faith that we should have persecution in our lives. It's almost as if we aren't sharing the gospel, we don't have to worry about persecution. And that's the natural fleshly man and woman, right? That's what, we, Who likes people yelling at us? Or who likes people rejecting us? Or who likes people just not liking us anymore? No one. But the natural response to many uh, for the sharing of the gospel is going to be persecution rejecting. But let, look at what Paul says here. He says we're hard-pressed on every side. In other words, it's coming from everywhere. Every time I share the gospel, it's coming from all sides. My coworkers, my friends, my, my relatives, everybody. Every time I try to do this, it's coming from all sides. But yet he, said, he goes on, he says, even though it's coming from every side, we're not crushed. Something's going on here. He says we're perplexed, but not in despair. Um, you ever why God, wonder why God doesn't like back you up more? <laughs> I felt like that. It's felt, you know, come on, God, you got to do something. Some kind of sin, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I want my friend to know Jesus Christ. I want him to know your power. But yet it doesn't seem like he's doing anything. But yet Paul says we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. He says persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. God has not left us. Journey Church, when we try to share the gospel. It's going to seem like you're lonely. It's going to seem like you're the only one sharing Jesus. But all this, um, all these um, sayings that Paul just says here, it says that it, it leads us to believe that God has not left us behind. He's there. He's with us. He wants us to do this. In fact, it says right there, Struck down, but not destroyed. This is Paul being in prison. This is Paul being beaten and uh, bearing many stripes for the Lord Jesus Christ. If, they, if um, God can be with Paul in these extreme cases, he'll be with you and with me when we share the, the gospel of Jesus. So why go through all of this? You ever wonder that? You know, why do, why do I go through all the rejection of share, trying to share the gospel? Why, you know, why do I got to go into my community all the time and try to share Jesus? What, what's the big deal? 2 Corinthians 4.11, let's pick up there. Um, he says, Paul says this, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and others. That's why we share. It's not about you and me. Yeah, we're going to suffer persecution. We're going to suffer some of these things that Paul's talking about. But it's not about us. It's about Jesus, and it's about them. Um, I often say that because I was a late bloomer in Christ and, you know, kind of grew up in church and did the churchy thing for a while but never, really never penetrated my heart, 
Um, I hear people now always talking about, come Jesus, come. And the Bible instructs us that we should be uh, praying and wanting Jesus to return and come and uh, rid us of all unrighteousness. We, we want that. But I think about my life. What happens if Jesus would have came one day before I got saved? One day. Uh, I would be uh, spending eternity somewhere and it wouldn't be with Jesus, would it? It would be in, uh, in eternal uh, damnation or separated from God for all of eternity. So I am grateful that um, somebody shared the gospel with me. And now uh, eternity is my destination. But Paul is reminding us here, why go all through this? Because the heart of every church uh, should be this, that it's not about you. It's about pointing people to Jesus, and it's about them, not us. So yeah, we're going to take a few licks. We're going to take a little bit of a beating along the way. Uh, this takes a lot of faith to do this. And that's what today's topic is. It's talking about a church that lives by faith. And it takes a lot of faith to share the gospel. It really does. Um, so how is it accomplished? 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What's Paul letting us know? He's letting know, even though you're going through these persecutions, even though you are trying to share and you are being rejected, what's happening, yeah, the outward man's dying. We all know that. Uh, all i got to do is look in the mirror and I'm not a spring chicken anymore. We all know that the outward man is perishing, but because of God and His Spirit, what's happening to the inward man? He is not perishing by no means. In fact, the, he says the inward man is being, renew, being renewed day by day. You get in great encouragement by sharing the gospel with other people. By sharing who Jesus is and what he's done for you, your inside begins to grow even though your outside may be perishing. Verse 17, he says, For our, out, our, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and um, eternal weight of glory. Oh boy. Light affliction? Really, Lord? Really? Light affliction? Being rejected for trying to share? Trying to be in my community and be a light, be salt in light? Light affliction, really? Well, what Paul's doing is comparing it to the eternal weight of glory. Oh my goodness, think about what the Bible has telling us, or is telling us about our, our eternal um, place. It's a glorious place. And what Paul's trying to get us to understand that, yeah, we're going to go through sufferings, and, and, but he says, you know what? It's so light. It's such a light affliction compared to where we're headed, compared to what is in front of us. And that's encouragement to me, and I don't know about you. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, verse 18, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is the key to living the life of faith 
uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is the key. Stop um, living by what you can see. You want to transform your Christian life? You want to live the life of faith? Stop living by what we can see and start living by what you cannot see. Transforming in your life, Christian, if you do this thing. We are so stuck on this idea of just living in the world we see. And that was Paul's, it was really his point when trying to get us to understand that the affliction that we'll suffer, trying to get people to Jesus is so small, is so light compared to eternity. One day we'll be there. But until then, these things are going to happen. So quit looking at what you can see and start thinking about what we can't see. Um, and isn't this the real description of faith? Uh, flip your Bibles over to Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. We may know this verse. Hebrews chapter 11. He says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. In other words, this faith is what makes up things hoped for. It sounds kind of like a little bit of one of Paul's riddles, doesn't it? But if you think through this verse and you really meditate and, and kind of spend some time on this, he says, your faith is what really makes up the things hoped for. It's the evidence, and here's our phrase, of things not seen. So we don't believe and we don't hope for things that we already see. We hope for things that we cannot see. God in the eternals. Uh, flip over to Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, 24. It says this, For we are saved in hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? What Paul is really trying to help us understand through uh, his Romans verse, his Corinthian letter, and then the writer of Hebrews as well, is this. Faith is trusting in what God says is true. That's really what faith is, guys. We boil it down to a lot of different things, but really if you boil it down, it's really that. When we read the Bible, when we go through His Word, are we trusting what he is saying is really true? So take that in the, the realm of the gospel for a minute. God says that one day there's going to be an eternity for all of those that believe in him. Do we believe that? I hope you do. Faith is trusting in what God says is true, even if we can't see it. So, you're going, all right, that's Paul. You've been talking a lot about Paul. Is he the only guy in the Bible? No. Let's go and talk about Noah for a second. Flip back to um, uh, Hebrews for a second. Hebrews talks about Noah and his faith. Noah did this very thing. He believed in something that he could not see. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith, there's our key word, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved, I like that, that's an action word, with godly fear, prepared an ark 
for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, we know, all know this, um, the story of Noah building his ark. It took him 120 years. What's pretty amazing about Noah's story was that he was in his community preaching the gospel through building of the ark and through his preaching. But what's really weird is Noah probably never, ever saw rain. If you ever want to kind of backtrack that story a little bit, we don't have time to do it today, but in Genesis 2, it talks about how God really took care of the garden and things of, of his creation with a mist and water coming up and down from above differently than what we would call rain today. But then also, he probably never even knew what a flood was because of this. The, the world had never been flooded, never been disaster like this in the past. So Noah, by faith in something he could not see, built the ark anyhow. And through it, God brought salvation to him and his family. Something he could not see became a reality when the flood came. How about Abraham? Just a few verses down. Verse 8 of uh, Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You ever have God call you to a situation not knowing where you're going? Just believing that this is what you're supposed to do? This is Abraham's whole entire life. God promised him a people really a whole entire nation he promised him and told him to leave his house, leave his country, and go there, and I'll give it to you. So that would be great if Noah had like, you know, 10 kids and on his way when God told him this, but he had, him and Sarah didn't have a child yet. So he left in faith, not knowing, not seeing what God was really going to do. And we know the story of Abraham. Every true believer really comes through the nation of Israel. In other words, we are an offspring of Abraham through our faith in Jesus Christ. So through all of this, how did Paul even do it? Paul did it this way as well. 2 Corinthians, spin back there. We'll look at verse 5-1 real quick. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So how did Paul do it? Paul understood that the tent, think about the difference between a tent and a building. A tent, if you're going camping, you know what a tent is like. It's pretty temporary. The wind can blow it, the rain can come through it. He said that's what our earthly bodies are like, is like a tent. But what Paul understood was that the eternal one we are going to get is more like a building. It's solid. It's a structure. It's eternal. The tent was something Paul was saying is the thing that we can see. But this is a thing we're always protecting. This is a thing that we're always trying to be weary of or leery of. But no, Paul says don't look at what you can see Look at what you cannot see, and that's the building that is made with the hands of God. 
2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, uh, 6 through 9. Let's look at that real quick. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. This was Paul's aim, was to be well-pleasing to the Lord. Why are we protecting the earthly tent, the temporary tent, when we have in our sights the eternal building? It didn't make sense to Paul. It shouldn't make sense to you and to me. We should be working to the things that we cannot see. So, um, Hebrews 11.6, one more time in Hebrews, says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we got some questions today as a church. If it is impossible to believe or to please God without faith, then we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I living in faith? Am I trusting God? Am I trusting in the unseen, things I can't see? Am I trusting in the eternal? Or, option number two, am I living by sight? Am I trusting in, in the things that are seen, only the temporary things? All of life's decisions are made in one or two of these places. We're either making decisions in this life by things we can see, or we're making decisions on things we cannot yet see and have been promised by God. It's a fact. Faith or sight, only two options. Um, living in faith will have eternal impact. And think about that for a moment when we're trying to share the gospel when we're trying to live out this life. If we're doing it God's way, the things that we do will have eternal impact. In other words, they will go on forever and ever. And on the other side of that coin, all our energy, all our effort put into things that we can see will be gone someday. Nothing but a vapor. So things to think about. Paul faced death spreading the gospel, believing in what he could not see. Noah built an ark, never seen water or a flood before. Abraham left his country of promise with the promise of a great nation. Uh, yet even though he only had no children when he left his land. How, you, how can you and I live by faith and not by sight? How can we be a church community that lives by faith? And here's our last verse of the day. Colossians, spin over to Colossians real quick. Colossians 3.2. It says this, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. How do we do it? How do we live this life of faith? It's a mindset. 
We have to set our minds not on the things of this world, of this earth, but um, put our minds on things above. Our communities have had enough, to be honest with you. They've seen the televangelists. They've seen us not acting in faith like we should. They've seen the bumper stickers. They've seen all of it. They've seen everything. Our communities don't need that. Our communities need us living in faith, living, on the un, living for the unseen, not in the temporary. So as we wrap things up today, we're going to invite the band to come up. Uh, we're going to take communion together today. Um, remember, faith is believing in God's promises. Remember that. And living and shaping our lives uh, accordingly. God promised one day that he would bring us a deliverer. He said in his word that one day there would be a deliverer, someone to deliver mankind from their sins. And he did that, and he did that through Jesus Christ. And although you and I have never, ever really seen that, we have the record of that. But yet, we're called to believe on it. And so, in a way, we're much, much like Noah, much like Abraham, much like Paul, and that we are structuring our lives around something we have never, ever seen. And I think that's pretty powerful. So today, we are going to celebrate, and I say celebrate, sounds maybe strange to some, but as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do here, if you believe that uh, Jesus died for, your, uh, for the forgiveness of sins, and you, that is a place where your heart lives, then we're going to share communion together. Uh, I'm to my left and to my right there are tables and there's the elements are in um, those on those tables so I'm going to ask you to get up here as the band plays and go grab one of those elements and bring it back to your seat you may want to spend a little bit of time on what you heard today through his word or you may want to just think about his death burial and resurrection and what that means to you but bring it back to your seat and once you do, the, when the band concludes their song, um, we'll talk about a couple more verses and we'll, we'll take together, okay? So as, you, um, as the band plays, uh, go ahead and feel free to get up and take the elements.
getting the elements I said it's a celebration but it is for us right on this side of things but to understand the great cost that what God had to give up for our salvation and when we talk about the the minor afflictions that we may may encounter sharing the gospel to those that we love and care about in the big picture pretty pretty minor really compared to what Jesus went through second or first Corinthians 11 verse 24 says and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me so you have a little wafer here that's nothing more than kind of looks like styrofoam actually but it's just a representation of the broken body of Jesus Christ. Um, Paul's reminder here uh, for us is to just take some time. Remember. Remember what it took to get you in right standing with God Almighty, creator of the universe. It took Jesus to die in your place, in my place. And that's pretty humbling when it comes to talk about 
being a church community that lives in faith. Why wouldn't we in retrospect, right? So let's take together and be reminded of what it took. It was Jesus' body broken on that cross that day for you and for me. that wasn't all that was done that day. His body certainly had been beaten and spit upon and all the horrible things that we read about what happened to Jesus that day. But his blood was shed. And the Bible tells us there is no remission of sins if it isn't for the spilling of blood. So Jesus spilled his blood instead of having you and me spill ours. Pretty amazing. So as we take this cup, which is nothing more than a picture of that, may you remember the spilled blood of Jesus Christ so that you and I could be forgiven. Stay together. I don't know about you guys. This is where I got to get every single time when I get scared about sharing the gospel or lose my nerve or wonder if it's going to work out all right. I have to come back to this. I have to remember what Jesus did to get me there. But he did that for the person I'm trying to share it with. I hope you too take encouragement today by remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how much it took to get you and me to eternity. Well, I'm going to leave you today with this one last thought, and that's if you want to be a church community that lives by faith, we're going to have to stop looking at the things we can see and look at the things we can't. May you go today knowing that Jesus loves you, God loves you, and paid the ultimate price. See you next time around.